This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. softy in my heart, but I, I love, like Julie was saying, all the feels that this season brings. And we had just a, a blast with our Harbor Serve team on, on Friday. And as Savannah and Juan mentioned, here are two other people that, like many, many in the room, too many to count, that give above and beyond and really go with their heart to, to really make what's going on here at Harbor possible. And how many of you know that the body is the body? That means there's different parts. There's different graces, beauties on each person's life that Jesus uses to make all of this thing give glory and honor to his name as to his kingdom. So can we give it up for everybody in the room today just for all that they mean? And come on, you can do better than that, Harbor. Come on. So good. Well, welcome. If you're a first-time guest, uh, so glad to have you here today. We're going to just take a few minutes. We're in a, a season of Advent Um, right now. Advent simply means the coming of Jesus to the world. And so we're celebrating that. We're remembering that. And we've picked a topic that we just wanted to focus on um, that we've titled A Thrill of Hope. I love Christmas carols and the Christmas carol, O Holy Night, Night, is where this phraseology comes from, a thrill of hope. How many of you know that the world it lives and really breathes and finds meaning and destiny and purpose out of one thing. And that's hope. That's hope. The word of God is clear that when uh, hope is deferred, it actually, the word says, makes the heart sick. And Jesus came to give life, right? So he came to see this thrill of hope Touched down on the planet and changed people's lives for real. A weary world rejoices. Weariness is found in the midst of delayed or deferred hope. Let me say this to you, and I, this is what I want to just talk about just for a few minutes. Um, you know, Jesus, on that holy night when they were just giving thanks that this one had come. There was a lot of things that were expressed and said, and we're gonna take a little bit of a look at that today, but what I want you to do this morning is to not only see um, the things that we're gonna peer out in the word through the lens of, hey, this is who Jesus was. I wanna ask you to insert yourself into that space because if Christ in us is the hope of glory for the world, What he demonstrated and what he did with his life is meant to be emulated through ours. Think about that for just a minute. You know, I know recently most of you are aware of the storms that happened in Kentucky and some other states. They say that it was maybe one of the most um, tragic uh, tornado events to happen in that part of the country. And I was sitting there with Wendy watching this here in a a season where we're supposed to be experiencing joy, right? Joy to the world. 
The Lord has come. And here's this chaotic event that really has brought disruption to so many lives right on the eve of this Christmas season. Do you remember when Jesus uh, was in the boat with his disciples and there's this horrific storm that comes up and they're, they're, they're so affected by this disruption, you know, that they were fearful of their life. And Jesus speaks to the waves and to the wind and they are calmed. And the disciples are astonished and the Lord is, is there with them and he's looking at them and I believe he's trying to communicate, hey guys, what I just did as a, as a moment for you to see and experience, this is going to emulate and flow from your lives. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. I wanna take a minute today and just look at that. Lord, would you come, open our eyes to see the thrill of hope that is upon the world right now that actually resides on the inside of us, that you're calling, speaking to this morning. May we have ears to hear and eyes to see. In Jesus' name. I want you to look with me at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We're going to spend a little bit of time in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was a, a prophet. He was one who was able to see forth into the future. And his words were meant to bring hope and to life to the children of Israel at the time. And look what he says in verse 6. He's prophesying about this one who was going to come, this Prince of Peace. He says, For unto us... A child is born, for unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. In other words, the weight of what he came to bear into the world to bring life will be upon him. And his name shall be called. Look at these different words that the prophet used to describe Jesus. Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Now, for just a moment, what I want you to do is to look with me a little deeper into these words. And I want you to think about what you carry on the inside if you know Jesus. If you've made him Lord and Savior of a life. Because these are the things that reside on the inside of your being. On, on who you are as a person. Wonderful. It, it literally means a miraculous event. of Something that, that is outside of the norm. Something that is greater than we bring to the table in our own abilities. Wonderful, a miraculous reality. Counselor. It literally means guide, like someone who's taking others with them on a journey. A miraculous journey, one that's otherworldly as I've expressed. Mighty God, this is where you can see that the reality of him as champion, as victor, as overcomer. I'm speaking to someone's heart today. Everlasting Father. It's a sense of perpetuity. Eternal. Never ending, forever type of existence. And Prince of Peace. It literally means chief steward. You know, recently I've, I've, I've been 
just burning on the inside, just getting postured as I end this year and get ready to go into another year with this thought. And the thought is, Lord, for whatever reason, you've brought me, my wife, my family, the people that are sitting in this room, into this world and into this city for such a time as this. And I want to just say, I believe that we're supposed to live a miraculous life. A life that serves as an example, as a guide to many others. I went to a, a memorial service on Saturday to celebrate the life of a father of a, of, a, of a beautiful young daughter that used to attend Harbor years ago. And it was such a powerful time. And I, 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 I sat there as testimony after testimony after testimony of people's lives got up before the audience and began to share of what this individual meant to them. And the thought that I had was this. People will forget what you said, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. I believe God has us in this world to be people that, that, that are living a miraculous, miraculous life that are meant to be examples to guide others into this peace that surpasses all understanding, that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ where there's an ability to not only exist in this life, but live as champions overcoming all the things that the world is trying to dish out. Can I get an amen? Because we're meant to live in perpetuity. You know, our lives were always in the heart of God. Even before we were fashioned in our mother's womb. Right now, in Jesus, we live in an eternal space that carries on. In fact, when I was driving home from the memorial, I felt just to leave a little voice message for the daughter of this father. And I said, the Lord wants you to know that with all those people saying all those things about your dad, He was your father, yours alone, and you are his daughter, his alone. What if we could realize that about God for ourselves? Come on, so many times we look around the room and we see all the beautiful things happening in other people's lives, often maybe to get into the comparison game, but what if we realize for just a moment That when God created you in his heart, that you were the only one on his mind. When he began to fashion you in the way that you're made, in the way that you look, in the way that you think, in the the way that that you find meaning and purpose in life, he was only thinking about you. And what if he knew? That for such a time as this, that you were destined and designed to be put into this world and not just put into this world to survive or make it through or white knuckle it or somehow get to the end end of this whole thing called life, but actually thrive in the midst of it and be a guide for others by the miraculous workings of God on the inside of you. I don't know if they even do this anymore, but years ago, When a baby was born, they would buy newspapers and magazines and different things that were put out on that very day to be a keepsake, a memorial to look back one day at what was going on in the world at that time. 
we have a lot of our stuff stored in, in, in an attic up in the Carolinas. And sometimes I find myself back there and I was in that attic and I was going through some boxes and I found some of those things as it related to the day I was born. A lot of chaos going on in the world a hundred years ago. And <laughs> I can name it. They were on clay tablets, uh, Peter says, okay? Uh, <clears throat> but the, the point is, is, is I, was, I was just awestruck by, Lord, you knew that whatever was going on in the world at this day, that there was something on the inside of me that you put there, that you fashioned to make a difference in the world, to be a broker of peace in the midst of a chaotic atmosphere. Each of us, because you know, when we think about Advent, we think about the coming of Jesus. But how many of you know Jesus left and he's with the Father? So who's here now to steward the world? We are. Jesus isn't here anymore. In fact, he said, it's better that I go away and I'm going to send someone. I'm going to send, isn't interesting, the terminology of Holy Spirit that he uses. He said, I'm going to send a comforter to live on the inside of you. If you think about comfort, if you think about that, that whole word as it relates to its, the essence of its meaning, it really is, is a word that, that just perpetuates peace. What would it be like when people are around us and all they feel is better because we're in the room? I'm not trying to make an arrogant or presumptuous statement there. I'm just saying this is who we are. This is what we carry. It wasn't just on Jesus. It's on his body. It's on his bride. He says in verse 7, he says, of the increase, in Isaiah 6, not chapter 9, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Okay. So track with me here. What Jesus instituted, it doesn't stop there with him, and nor does it stay at the level in which he brought it to the world. There's actually increase of his government, increase of his peace. I was driving through a drive-thru, and now the QR codes are everywhere, and on this little, like, barrier, so you don't run into the side of Wendy's, you know, there was, like, a bunch of stickers on that thing. I actually don't eat at Wendy's. I was getting that for somebody else. Can I give an amen? But there was a QR code, and, and you would scan it, and I didn't actually scan it, but it said on the bottom, the end of the world is near. We've actually relished in that thought, you know, as the church. The end of the world is, is near, you know, and, and we're driven mostly by bad news and by fear. What if the beginning of something great was near through the church? What if we weren't looking at everything through a chaotic lens and destruction and hopelessness, but we were actually looking at it through a lens of good news? If you look at what fuels the world right now, it is bad news. On NBC at the end, we get a little clip of something good happening for like one minute after like 29 minutes of getting pummeled by all the bad stuff that's going on in the world. But what if bright and shining lights were being raised up in this moment to be guides, to be champions, 
to be stewards over the earth, to see something good come to pass through the peace of God that we carry. It's a world without end. Even in death, you can't be defeated. Resurrection. There's hope. It's like every night we get to practice the beauty of hope. We get to put our heads at rest on the pillow. By God's grace, be at peace. And by the way, if you're not sleeping well, I even pray that even after today, you'll go home and go to bed tonight and you'll sleep eight, nine, ten hours because it's a good time to find rest. It's actually when we rest that God does the most miraculous works. When we lay our head upon that pillow and we wake up and there's a whole new day with that sun rising and there's potential that's set into motion because God, as we plant the seeds during the day, he's the one that waters them at night and causes them to grow. Come out of your striving. Come out of you feeling the pressure and the burden to make this thing go. Listen, God wants us to find rest in him even in the things that we're called to do. But how does this thing called the peace of God that he wants to bring to the earth come to pass? Isaiah says it in chapter 6, verse 13. Look at this. He says in verse 3, sorry, chapter 61, verse 3, I apologize. It says this, to console those who mourn in Zion. It's actually a really bad translation, the word console. Go look it up in the Hebrew. It actually means to appoint. To appoint. To appoint means you're chosen, means you're set in place, means that you're good enough to be able to accomplish the mission. You are selected. There's no one else that can do it but you. And he says that he is appointing those who are mourning in Zion. Have you ever felt like, man, God, do I have anything to bring to the table? Because right now my heart is mourning over all of the loss that I've experienced through X, Y, Z, through this that happened in my life and that that happened in my life. What's crazy is we feel in those moments, what? Disappointed. Think about it. You feel dis, which means you're not appointed. When we're mourning, we don't feel like we have anything to bring to the table. And yet Jesus says, for those who mourn in Zion, which is the capital city of this eternal forever world that we're a part of, he says, I am appointing you. Listen, if you've been through some heartache and you've been through some stuff and man, you felt like, man, I don't even know how I'm going to make it. Maybe there's something so profound over your life that you don't even realize it. And God is appointing you in the midst of your mourning. And you know what he says? He says to give them, talking about other people, out of the overflow of our life, the oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Those are pretty dark things, right? When you've really been in a place of mourning, when you've felt heavy, or wake up, just feel like there's a blanket over the top of you, a wet blanket. It's in the midst of that that he is appointing those 
who mourn in Zion to actually shift and change the very atmosphere that we are carrying on the inside and replace it with something beautiful so it can overflow into the lives of others and create a whole new atmosphere that brings hope. Not only hope, but a thrill of hope. A thrill of hope. Like if you've ever been through something or experienced something where there's a thrill that goes off in your life. I remember the first time I ever soloed an airplane. I had this thrill of hope that somehow I was going to live through that experience. Can I give an amen? But I remember when I took off, when I lifted off and I looked over in that right seat where my instructor had been for five or six months and he was no longer there. There was this flood of emotions, this thrill that came over me where I was weeping and laughing all in the same moment. It was, it was euphoric really. And you know what's wild about that? In that moment, in a sense, I felt alone, but in a sense, I didn't. I knew that this one who had been with me the whole time, though I couldn't see him or even look to him in the way that I used to, had prepared me to be able to navigate the moment that was before me. Because, right, we don't want to live in the clouds here with this whole thing called Christianity, if, you know, following Jesus, like... You know, he's not, he's not always, you know, where we hear him all the time or always, you know, sense or feel like God is always there. But there's this thrill, these thrill moments where God will come, shift things. I believe we're living on the verge of one of those moments right now. And we need to posture our hearts. What if we did that? What if we did that this morning and said, God, I am going to posture my heart to have one of the most incredible years I've ever had in 2022 and really break out even in the midst of my mourning. How do we live with that tension? To be appointed in the midst of our mourning. If you think about ashes and mourning and heaviness, those things are never supposed to live in a world without end. Right? We know when we experience death or whatever calamity, man, that stuff is not natural or normal to who we were ever created to be. Yet we live in the tension of it. I don't think I'm going to get to this today, but I was asking the Lord, I was like, what has caused darkness or the, let's just put it like this. These other things that we know aren't our portion to actually even be into existence. And I felt like he spoke to me about mixture. Mixture is the reason it's happened. Maybe I'll just touch on this briefly and then we're going to close. Mixture is the reason this has happened. Because when you look back into the creation account, look at this with me in Genesis chapter 1. He said, let there be light and there was light in verse 3. And then he said that when he saw the light, it was good. And God divided, look at this, divided the light from the darkness. We are so confused oftentimes with even the existence of evil. If God is so good, as Megan was singing about, how could there be bad things in the world? Well, there's a whole complexity to the answer to that question, which involves love itself. If there's not choice, if there's not freedom for people to do what they ultimately want to do, there can be no love. 
And if God is the essence of love, he has to create environments that reflect that essence in every way. Listen, we are not robots. I remember Andrew Aronzeller, one of our former worship leaders, used to, used to sing about this essence called love. And he said, love is not love unless you get to choose it. And when you experience God, it's almost like it's irresistible. Like, that's what I want to create an environment where it's like, it's so profound. It's so amazing. Whenever you get around me and our team and the beautiful people here who love Jesus, that you would be like, God has to be so good because of the goodness that I see in these people. But you choose it for yourself. You own it for you. You don't draft off of someone else's relationship. It's something that you take ownership because you know that it's your portion. That when he was creating you, he was thinking about you as it related to his love and to have this kind of relationship. But what do we do? Especially in religion, we we mix what's not good into something that we call good. Isaiah says it in chapter 5, verse 20. He says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, and who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. In other words, he's saying, listen, Zion, the bad stuff was never meant to be your portion. Why is that mixed into your life? You were created for something greater. You were created for a better destiny than that. Why are you allowing that to be what you choose to give yourself to? I'll end with this verse in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Paul preaches the gospel. And he says, once your life was filled with sin's darkness, but now you have become the very light of our Lord shining through you because of what? All your good religious works? All your attempts to be a better person? No. Because of your union with him. We know we know what happened. We know what took place in the garden. God gave Adam a choice. Hey, listen, you don't have to have all of the knowledge, good and evil. If you have knowledge of good, it will be enough. Don't eat of that tree. Right? It's like, I'm almost wondering if the Lord should have tried like millennial parenting. We tell them what not to do and they actually do it. So we tell them like, hey, don't follow God. Okay, I'll follow the Lord. You know what I mean? Like kind of reverse psychology kind of stuff. But it's what God has given to us, this choice. He says, your mission is to live as children flooded with this revelation light, verse nine. And the supernatural fruits of his light will be seen in you. Look what it says. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. Then you will choose what is beautiful to our Lord. 
John says in chapter one, verse 12, but those who embraced him and took hold of his name were given authority to become children of God. Verse 16, and now out of his fullness, we are fulfilled. And from him, we receive grace. Look at this language, upon more grace, increase. of Jesus on that night. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let the earth receive her king. I bet you a whole lot of people were going like, what on earth are you talking about? How can we be joyful? The word says those people were living under a shadow of death. king who's going to change things whose government is going to take all the systemic brokenness in the world and make it right that's exactly what he was going to do but not in the way that we thought close your eyes for just a minute here's what he was going to do he was going to come into the world as a bright and shining light And on a cross in the midst of betrayal by his closest friends, he was going to voluntarily allow all of the darkness that ever plagued mankind to come upon him. What about your darkness? What about the abuse that happened to you? What about the disappointment and the betrayal? What about the sickness? What about those months or maybe years of depression? Just fill in the blank. It was on that cross, you need to see it today, that all of the darkness that ever existed, does exist or ever will exist, Jesus took it upon himself because he was the steward of an eternal world. cost him his life God himself who is eternal who never dies gave up his last breath because he had a dream in his heart for Zion for a capital city called the body of Christ to exude life and life abundantly, life to a degree that it would never have any end. It wouldn't be like we'd reach a moment and we'd go, oh, we've arrived. It would be a constant process by which his light would continually break into the darkness of our hearts because we gave that darkness to him because we no longer wanted it mixed into the people we were called to be, the children of light. He took it. Darren, practically, what does that mean for me? Stop making that part of your life that did happen, that maybe is happening, that feels very real to you, a part of your identity. 
give it to him. Turn it over to him. Give it to him because he already took it upon the cross. That darkness not only took the breath out of his lungs, but it took him into the deepest depths of hell. Here's where it gets fun. All of that couldn't hold him down in the midst of the lowest moment in mankind's existence. The comforter, the Prince of Peace, Holy Spirit, began to invade Jesus's body and his frame. Resurrection life began to flood through his bones and his flesh and his blood and his thoughts. I could belabor this, but I'm just going to say in this moment, he took the keys of authority back from the enemy. And in essence, he's given them to us today. And he's saying, steward these things and I will build my church. Steward the revelation of my truth and eat of it. Could we make this our prayer as we close today? God, replace every lie with the truth of your word in this next season of my life. Come on, say it right there with me. Replace every lie. We turn over all of that we've bought in and given ourselves to and even said is us, like this is who I am as it relates to the darkness and we give it back to where it belongs, which was on your frame at the cross. And we say, resurrection, come into us like never before. Let life and life abundantly be our portion. Yes, life will not be easy, but you have promised that you've overcome the world. And in the midst of our trials, you have promised to give us a spirit of comfort, peace. In fact, I can feel him right now here in this room resting over hearts. A peace that no one can explain, that protects you and guides you into all truth. Have your way. Say that with me, have your way. Come on, every voice, have your way. One more time. Have your way, Lord. Everyone look at me as we close. There's something very special about you. I want you to know it. Like every time, if I could get up here and preach every single Sunday after Sunday, if I had one more message, I would want you to know who you are. And you're gonna only know who you are by knowing who he is. He was the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. He was the first son of God to many sons and daughters of God. And he made a way where there was no way. And that door has not been shut. It has been open to us. And we have a hope-filled future. I'm with Julie. I'm not going to live in the last 18 months anymore. I've done that time. I've sat in it. I've mourned and done my peace there. 
I'm looking with hopeful expectation to an eternal city that's being elevated called Zion, the very body of Christ. And all the other mountains in the world will be made low. That includes sickness, death, disease, poverty, all of the brokenness that the enemy's trying to bring into the world and say it's all the Father's fault. It's not the Father's fault. We've empowered that reality because mankind has let mixture of darkness come into what was only meant to be light for us in the name of Jesus. Our Father, like I love what Megan was singing, is good because not because of our circumstances, it's the essence of who He is. And as we align and worship with that, we're not looking for fixes to all of our problems. What we're learning is just to have life on the inside amidst them. Where another person will say, man, there's something different about you. I got to get around you. There's something totally different with your life. I want it. Right? Even for Israel, that got off in religion and said that, man, they'll be, they'll be moved with a spirit of jealousy because of these ones that have found Yahweh. The one who always was, is, and always will be. Lord, thank you for these hearts in this room, Lord. What a joyful season to be alive. <laughs> what a moment for us to be born. What a moment for us to live and have life. Change us, Lord. Change our belief systems, God, with your word. In Jesus' name. Hey, listen, guys, can we give it up for Jesus? He's so good. He's so good. Amen. Hey, we're going to just take some time together. Um, we're not going to belabor any ministry time. We got some hot chocolate and some stuff in the back. Hey, why don't you take a minute before you go? Go find someone that you don't know that you've never met and just ask them their story. Just say, hey, I'd love to know who you are. Tell me about yourself. Take a minute. God bless you guys. We'll see you next Sunday. All right. Have an amazing, amazing week. God bless. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.